0: Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at oursaviorschurch.com. Let's dive back into our series, Who is Jesus? We've been camping out at the topic of Jesus the teacher. And in particular, we've been camping out at this one sermon that Jesus preached in Matthew five, six, and seven called the Sermon on the Mount. And I heard one preacher say, this is not just the Sermon on the Mount, this is a mountain of a sermon. This is a massive sermon. This is the longest recorded sermon that we have from Jesus in all all four of the Gospels. The longest one they ha- that we have recorded. And just to recap a little bit of this, Jesus is gathered, he's gathered a crowd, and as Jesus often does. They follow Jesus to this mount, and Jesus sits down on the mount, and he turns to his disciples, and he begins to teach them. Now, why is that important? Because Jesus, even though, and I believe this, even though Jesus, there was a crowd there, Jesus taught his disciples. And he taught his disciples in view of the crowds to hear. In other words, this is, these are not rules that Jesus intended for the nations to adopt and govern their people with. This was not meant as a, let me, let me take this, let me learn how to be a better person, a more moral person, by trying to live out the Sermon on the Mount. That's not what this is. If anything, Jesus is destroying that whole mindset of trying to become a better person apart from him. And so in this series, or in this this sermon that Jesus has given us, he is debunking the way that many people in that day thought, but sadly how many of us today still think. Isn't it ironic how even to this day some of us, we still think that, let me go to church so that I can become just a little bit better. I I can become a little bit more moral of a person by showing up in a building on Sunday mornings as if that's going to do the trick. Or we think, I've done something really bad. I've done something really wrong, so I know what I'll do. I'll go suffer through an hour and a half of church, and that will make things right between me and God. We think that way. And who knows, I might even find a spouse while I'm there. (laughs) Don't act like you haven't thought it. God knows your heart. (laughs) But we thought that way, yet Jesus is not teaching everyone in the world how to live. Jesus is teaching his followers how to live, those who belong to him, how they are to live. And again, to recap, he, he starts off by saying, with the Beatitudes, that happy are you if you live this way. You've, heard, you've read it, blessed are you, but that word blessed is the word makarios, and it means happy. So Jesus is saying happy are you if you are poor in spirit. Happy are you if you are meek. Happy are you when you're persecuted. He goes through this whole list of how the people in his kingdom live. And how they're blessed and how they're happy when they live out the principles of the kingdom of God. Then he goes on and he tells us who we are. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. But then he, he makes a statement that I'm going to read again. And I've read it a number of times in this series. But it's, it's such a benchmark moment of this message that I don't want you to miss it. And what I'm going to talk about today is still stemming from These words. Shortly after, he says, you're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. He says, don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophet. The prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose Is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And in verse 20, don't miss this, he says, But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter. The kingdom of heaven. He says, Unless your righteousness is better than the Pharisees, better than the religious leaders, better than the teachers of the law, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And when when he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, he's not just talking about when we die one day and we go to heaven. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven that begins here on earth and goes into all of eternity in its fulfillment. We've talked about that as well many times before, but I want you to get this picture. Jesus is is saying, you cannot enter that kingdom unless your righteousness is better than theirs. And how discouraging was that to hear? Because those guys had the corner of the market on being righteous. Those guys were the ones that you looked at and you thought, if anybody has their acts together, it's those Pharisees. If anybody's following the law to a T, it's those religious leaders. They, they were so strict in their adherence to the law and how they did it. Jesus, who, who, can, who can be saved? Who can make it into the kingdom if we have to be better than those guys? That was a bold statement that Jesus was making, but he was exposing something, even with those words. Because those religious leaders seemed to be righteous, but Jesus knew their hearts. Jesus was saying, they look great on the outside, but even their motivations for doing these righteous acts is wicked in my eyesight. God sees right through their actions and right to the heart. And he even came teaching, reteaching and recalibrating, if you will, some of the things in the law that they had gotten so off. Jesus comes and he brings it right back to the center. And he says, I didn't come to do away with it. I came to accomplish it and to fulfill it. And he exposes the wickedness of their hearts just to recap again, some of the things that he taught leading up to where we're going to pick up. He teaches them that if you're angry without a cause, if you call someone an idiot, if you curse them, and you belittle them, you cancel them, you treat them as if they're not a human being. Jesus says that is the same as murder. You've already committed the act of murder. You're guilty. Jesus says if you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, you have You already committed the act of adultery in your heart. You're guilty. And he's speaking to probably likely a group of men that are sitting there full of self-righteousness thinking, I've never committed adultery. I've never. And they heard that and they went, "Uh uh-oh. And then he takes it a step further and he says, not only that, but you're sitting back thinking i'm not an adulterer and jesus says every time you've divorced a wife divorced the woman sent her into a horrible life all because you wanted someone else or didn't like that and you you divorced her sem- without her committing adultery jesus says not only have you committed adultery but you've caused her to commit adultery and you have spread adultery throughout the land so tell me again how righteous you are And I know that last week was a heavy topic. I know because we talked about five different things and everything I heard about that message was about that one topic. And I know it was heavy, but it was God's truth. But I also want you to hear this. That message, the gospel, did not come to condemn. The gospel came to show the condition of our heart and to reveal our need for Jesus It was the good news to save us. Jesus loves you right where you're at. He loves you no matter what you've done in your past. As a reminder, how many of you remember the story of the woman at the well? Jesus went that way to find a woman who had been married five times. And not only had she been married five times, but she was living with a man who was not her husband currently and he gave her the hope of the world and it so changed her heart that she went and told everyone about him being the Messiah now if he did that for her it doesn't matter where you're at he came to find you he came to find you so let me just say this that message was hard it was heavy it was to teach you his standard of righteousness he is not okay with us going and divorcing for whatever we want to but if you've done that in the past go and sin no more go and sin no more then Jesus teaches about making vows he says don't make them Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be a person of your word. Be a person whose integrity is so high you don't have to go, no, I promise, I swear. No. When you say yes, people believe you. When you say no, people believe you. Because the people of my kingdom have integrity. He says, don't be a vengeful people. Don't live eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Leave that to the governing bodies to judge people. But on an individual basis, we're not vigilantes. We don't take take our own vengeance on people. We don't make our own recompense. We, We trust that to God. And we are a giving and a forgiving people. And then he teaches us to love our enemies. Not just our neighbors. He says, love your enemies. Because when you do, you are representing your Father who is in heaven. And then he finally says in Matthew 5, 48, he says, but you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And that's where many of us go, okay, I'm out. I can't live up to that. I can't accomplish that. Listen to me. That's the point. That's the point. And many scholars believe that when he's saying perfect, It's this word teleos, and it basically means complete, mature, reaching a goal. We're not to be like the Pharisees going, I'm good enough. I'm going to keep all these laws so that I can be much better than you. No, we've never reached our goal. We are being matured. We are being completed. Yet there is a moment when Jesus looks around and he says, it is finished. But we'll get to that in a moment. Jesus continues to teach in chapter 6. And so, something I want you to just teach as a side note, when the page turns in the Bible, it doesn't always mean that the thought changes. Because he's going, there was no, when when Matthew was writing this, he didn't go chapter 5. Now, chapter 6. It was all a story. It was all a continuous thought. But this in particular, chapter 5, leads us right into chapter 6. Jesus is still talking about our, our foolish thought that our own righteousness makes us right before God. He's continuing that thought. And he has been talking about what we shouldn't do, all the things that we do that make us unrighteous. Now he's getting ready to talk about and expose our hearts in talking about the things that we think make us righteous, but don't. So we don't even do the right things right. He says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Watch out. Let me pause there for a moment. When Jesus says, watch out, you better watch out. (laughs) He's saying, be cautious. There's a trap here that is easy to fall into. It is many of us fall into this trap, so be careful, be cautious. He goes on to say, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired. For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything Will reward you. Again, Jesus just talked about what we shouldn't do. Now he's talking about the things that we do that we think makes us righteous. And he's getting ready to talk about three things. He's getting ready to talk about our giving, he's getting ready to talk about how we pray, he's even going to talk about how we fast. And in doing so, he's exposing our hearts. We only have time for one, so let's focus on that one. He's talking about your giving. Watch out. Be cautious. Don't do your good deeds to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your heavenly Father. Wait a minute, Pastor Gabe. I've been coming for the last couple weeks. Didn't Jesus just say to be the light of the world and do your good works so that the world can see it? But is he saying this too? Which one is it? It's both. Is both. Okay, Pastor, now you're sounding like a politician. Let me explain it to you. <laughs> Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. This is what Jesus says. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Verse 16, don't miss this. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. But then he says, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. It is both. But again, Jesus is exposing our hearts. So in Matthew chapter 5, he's saying, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Father in heaven. But in Matthew 6, he says, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. What is the motivation for why you do what you do? What's the heart behind it? Because you can do the right thing for the wrong reason, and it's still the wrong thing. He's saying, why are you doing it? What's in your heart when you're doing this? Are you doing them so that people will see you and be amazed, and they think, man, you're amazing. You're so generous. You're so so kind. You're so much better than me. Is that why you do this? Or are you doing it so that God gets the glory and God gets the praise? Jesus said, if you do it for the admiration of others, listen to this. That's all the reward that you're going to get. How sad is that? How sad is it that you would do something and get to heaven one day and God's giving out the rewards And your reward's about this big. You know, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 Jesus, didn't you see all of the cool stuff that I did? And Jesus says, no, the way my records show it, you got all your reward down there. How sad would that be? And I've heard heard one preacher say it like this. He said, the praise of people, the admiration of people is like a firework. When it goes off, it's beautiful, it's awesome for about two seconds, then you never see it again. Yeah. That's what the praise of man is like. You're only as good as the last good thing that you did. They move on very quickly. And in, in their moving on, because you made that your chief aim, because you made that your goal, that short two seconds was the only reward that you're going to get for what you did. So you get to pick. We give up eternal reward for short-lived admiration. Let's go back to this. Verse 2, Jesus says, when you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do. Blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received All the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Now, the language Jesus used, I believe, was very intentional. Because that word hypocrite, when we hear the word hypocrite now, we go, ugh, yuck, gross. In that day, hypocrite, you know what it meant? Actor. An actor. That's what they called people who acted in plays, people who acted in these these whatever it is, dramas that they put on. They called them a hypocrite because they were acting in a manner that was not consistent with who they are. They were doing things and saying things that was not consistent with what was in their hearts. So Jesus says these people are actors. Shout out to my people who grew up in the 90s. These are posers. They're posing, they're acting as if they're something that they're not because that's not really in their heart. And not only that, just even the wording that Jesus says to be admired or to be seen. I may butcher this word, but it's the Greek word, the, ama, excuse me, the, oh, Try saying that fast three times. But it, it's similar to the word where we get the word theater from. So you have actors in a theater. In other words, it's all a big show. It's not genuine. It's not real. It's not coming from the heart. It's a performance. And Jesus, he uses this analogy because I don't know, maybe there were people walking around who had a brass band behind them every time that they gave to somebody and they had a second line every time they gave somebody a $5 bill, maybe. But I think Jesus was making a point. He was saying that there's people who go around telling everybody all of the good things that they've done and they get all of this attention from people and everybody thinks they're amazing and that's all their reward. That's all that they get. And as absurd as that sounds to us to think somebody would go around with a brass band every time that they give somebody something, we do something similar. Every time that we give somebody something and we decide to make a YouTube video about it. Or every time we decide we want to bless somebody and we take a selfie with a person in need so that we can feel better about ourselves giving to them and really exploiting them for our own selfish need for attention. And I'm not saying you don't need an attaboy from time to time. That's what spiritual family is there to encourage you, to build you up. We need that. But what's your ultimate goal? What's your heart after getting? Are you doing it for the praise of people or are you doing it for the glory of God? So, Pastor, how? now I'm convicted. I'm used to doing it for these reasons. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to kill this? Jesus tells us how. And this is what he says. If you're, if you're listening there going... I'm guilty of this. And can I be honest? We all are. We've all been guilty of doing something good for the wrong reasons. Jesus says, this is how you kill this. Give in private. Bless people in a way that nobody knows that it was you who did that. He's drawing a contrast between you're blowing a horn for everybody to hear, and he said, now do it in silence and do it in secret. Now, let me tell you what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean that you have to go to an extreme and literally you put on like a ninja's mask every time you give somebody a dollar bill. He's not talking about, he's not saying that you can't write a check to people and it all has to be anonymous and in cash. That's not what he's saying. He's talking about the heart. Where is your heart? Is your heart to honor God or is your heart to honor you? If it's for you, then start doing it in secret. Kill that side of your flesh. If you aren't sure, do it in secret. And if your flesh rises up every time nobody goes, good job. That's probably a problem. Do it in secret. Jesus deserves the attention. Jesus deserves the glory. He's the one who gave you the means and put it on your heart to even be able to bless them. He gets the credit. We don't. We don't. It's not that we... Don't want a reward as well. Because there's people out there that would say, I just, I don't do it for any reward. Can I be very honest with you? I want a reward. I want a reward for what I've done. But I want a reward that comes from my Father. That's where I want my reward to come from. He gives a reward that lasts for eternity versus one that lasts for a moment. It's not for our own self-righteousness. It's not for us to feel like a better person. Because here's the truth. Apart from Him, we are wicked. Apart from Him, we are poor in spirit. We have nothing to offer Him. That's why we need Him. If we do our righteous acts for others to see, then God owes you nothing, no reward. But if you do it for him, he will give you a reward that will last forever. Again, Pastor, this sounds like last week. This sounds impossible. Well, in and of itself, it is impossible because you can't do that in your own strength. You can only do this if you're born again. If you live in a new kingdom, if you live with a new set of kingdom principles to live by, you live with a new spirit within you, that's what makes this whole thing possible, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Are y'all with me? Listen, I, I hope that this message that Jesus preached, this is not... Pastor Gabe 101, I'm not that good. These are words directly from the mouth of Jesus, teaching us what righteousness really is, that our righteousness in and of ourselves is is rooted. Hopefully you're seeing this. It's rooted in selfishness. It's rooted in glorifying ourselves. It's rooted in making us feel superior to other people. And that's what causes us to need him because we can't even do that right. We need him. I need him. On my worst day, I need him. On my best day, I need him. I can't do this apart from him and neither can you. So when Jesus comes and he's saying, be perfect, he knows that you really can't apart from him. But that's why we need him. That's the righteousness that exceeds the religious leaders because they thought they had it in themselves. And Jesus says, you don't. The righteousness you need can only be found in me. And if this sounds like bad news, here's the thing. You don't appreciate the good news until you understand the bad news. This is the bad news, that in and of yourself, We are sinners separated from God. The most righteous of people in the world, the Nobel Peace Prize winners, the highly exalted ones that everybody goes, stand before God, sinful, apart from Christ. Apart from Christ, they stand before him, sinful. Our best righteousness, the Bible says, is like filthy rags. Because it's us trying to accomplish something, us trying to do God's will apart from God. How does that work? We need him. And when you understand that bad news, you can appreciate the good news. And here's the good news. Jesus died on that cross and said, it is finished so that he can give you real righteousness. That's the good news. He died for your sin. What is sin, Pastor Gabe? Sin is an archery term. I don't know if you knew that. It's an archery term. When, you're, when, you're, when you have a bow and arrow and you're aiming for the target and you're trying to hit the bullseye and you miss the mark, that is called sin. Doesn't matter if you were really close to the mark or if you didn't hit the, the whatever it is at all. When you missed it, It's called sin because you didn't hit it perfectly, and none of us hit it perfectly. None of us have lived our lives in a manner that is perfect. The Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's that sin that, listen to me, church, separates us from God. It separates us from God. But that's why Jesus came, because he knew you would never be able to do it on your own. Well, I'm a good person, Pastor Gabe. I wouldn't say I'm sinful. Have you ever lied before? Yeah. So you're a liar. Okay. But Jesus already talked about lusting after women. Have you done that before? I mean, well, yeah. Okay. So you're an adulterer. Hated people, canceled people, treated them like they were nothing, cursed them, well, a few times. Do you see the point? We're all sinful apart from him. And that's why we need him. But again, here's the good news. Jesus said this, you can be born again. You can be born again. And the way that we do that is finally seeing In and of myself, I'm not righteous. So Jesus, let the old me die and let the new me come to life, a new creation washed in your blood, born of the Spirit. That word born again is exactly how it sounds. The old you dies. Coming to church does not make you a Christian. I've heard it say like this, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger doesn't make you right with God. It's the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. Your surrender to him that makes you a new creation in Christ. Some of you, let me say this, some of you have raised your hand many times hoping to earn something. He doesn't need your hand. He wants your heart. He wants you to surrender. He wants you to follow him. In a moment, I'm going to release all those who signed up today to be baptized. What are they doing? Let me be very clear. Baptism is not the thing that saves them. You can go into the water, a sinner, and come up a wet sinner. That's not what saves you. It's the blood of Jesus. Is grace, is faith in Christ and what He's done. That saves us. And so, what they're going to do is they're getting ready to make a public profession, an outward expression of what has inwardly happened already. They've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus has washed their sins away. And now when they go in that water, they come up. It's like a wedding ceremony where they're coming out of it saying, I have a ring now. I belong to him. And I want everybody in this place to see it. I belong to him. That's what they're getting ready to do. Can we celebrate that? Come on. So if you're being baptized, I want you to stand to your feet and you can make your way out to the foyer right now. Come on, let's give it up for them as they're making their way out, those who are being baptized. So exciting for you. So excited, come on, we can keep going. Let's celebrate for them. So good. Now look up at me. We're not done. We're not done. They're leaving. But there are some of you in this room who need to be going with them. But you haven't taken care of that first step yet. And this is what I mean by that. You're not born again. I want to give you the opportunity. Maybe you've been trying. I'm going to ask Cody to come up. Maybe you've been trying hard to do it your own way. You've been trying to be righteous and I've got to, I'm going to go to church, Pastor. I'm going to become a better person. I'm going to be more moral. Jesus says you will, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you are first born again, born of water, born of the spirit. He wants to change you today. Today is your opportunity to have not the world's sense of righteousness or self-righteousness, but kingdom righteousness that is given to you, put inside of you, given to your account because of the righteous life of Jesus who was sinless and perfect from start to finish. And when he died on that cross and was nailed to it, he said, it is finished. You are complete. So I want everybody in this place to close your eyes and to bow your head. And I want to give you a moment to be added to the kingdom, to be brought into the family of God, not joining a religion. You don't even have to join our church. I'm talking about joining the kingdom of heaven and being born again. Pastor, how do I do that? It's very simple. It's simple because Jesus did all that was complex. He did the hard, complicated part when He died on that cross. We say it this way every week. It's as simple as A, B, C, A, you admit. Admit what? The truth. That you're a sinner. That there is sin in your heart. That sounds so hard, Pastor Gabe, but it's so true. And it takes that honesty. That humility to, to come before Jesus, poor in spirit, because he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom. He gives the kingdom to those who are honest and humble. So I need you. But then B, you believe. Believe what? That the solution to your sin was Jesus dying on that cross. Him paying the price for your sin. And then C, you confess. Confess what? That he is now Lord. That you are surrendering to him. And that you are following his kingdom way of living. And that you're turning control of your heart and your life and your spirit over to him. If that's you today, I want to pray with you. I want to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to give you some words, but it's not the words that are going to save you. Is what he's done, and your faith and his grace that's gonna save you in this moment. So if you say, Pastor, that's me, on the count of three, I wanna know who I'm praying with. I'm gonna ask you to lift up your hand on the count of three, and then all of us are gonna pray this prayer out loud together. Say these words with me when, when I do pray, but one, two, three, if that's you, lift up your hand. You say, Pastor, that's me, I wanna be born again. Keep it up high. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. This is your moment with God. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Anyone else? Lift it up high. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands going up all over. and I want you with your hands up to look up at me. If you raise your hand, look up at me. Because I don't ever want you to forget this moment. This is the moment Jesus changed your life. This is the moment you are alive for. Now you can close your eyes. The church, let's pray this prayer out loud with all of these precious saints. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe on the cross you died for my sin, for my guilt, And from my shame, I believe you faced hell so I would not have to go there. And you rose again from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on this earth, and a relationship with the Father. I repent of my sin. I turn away from it. And I commit to following you. And from this moment on, God, you are my Father. Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, you're my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate with every person that prayed that prayer. Listen, before you go, if you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you with a couple things. Number one, please don't rush out. This is a big moment for the people who just prayed that prayer. Number one, what do you do? Keep coming. Keep learning what it means to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus. But then number two, you are now a candidate for baptism. Whether you signed up or not, that inward change just took place. I want to encourage you to go out there to that that baptism, go get in that line and tell the world, I now belong to Jesus. I want to encourage you to do that. If you you prayed that prayer, if if you're born again, go get baptized and tell the world, I belong to Jesus. We have, listen, we have a change of clothes for you, all of that. Don't worry, you can stay fresh. But I want to encourage you to do that. And I want you to take that card in front of you, fill it out. There's a cute card in front of you It says Connect Card. Let us know that you prayed that prayer so we can help follow up with you. And then last two things, we're going to have some prayer partners here at the, at the front. If you need prayer for anything, come forward. We'd love to pray for you for whatever is going on in your life. If you say you need prayer, come up. Let us agree with you and believe with you. And then lastly, as we close, on your way out today, make your way out to come celebrate with all of those people who are being water baptized. We're going to have snowballs and Cokes and all kind of stuff to help keep your coat cool while you're out there. But let's celebrate with spiritual family. Are you glad you came to church today? Good. Come on, stand to your feet. Let me pray for you guys as as we release you. Father, I pray you would bless your people today. I pray you would make your face shine on them. Lord, watch them. They're going out and they're coming in. Lord, bless everything that they put their hands to for the sake of your kingdom. God, I pray that you as a church, we would be a pure church who walks in the fear of the Lord. We would be a powerful church that walks in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we would be a persistent church even in the face of challenges. And all God's people said, amen.